0: I just wanted to offer you a chance to get to the Resonate conference that's sold out that's coming up in May. It's May 15th and 16th in Atlanta. I bought an extra ticket, and I'm going to give it away to someone who subscribes to my newsletter. Yes, you're going to have to subscribe. You can text the word RESONATE to 44222. The word RESONATE to 44222. It's going to ask you for your email, and that's what it's going to take to get entered into the drawing. It's one ticket. I paid for it personally. Um, You get to hang out with me. It is Monday the 14th. It includes a cocktail party. It includes lunch both on Tuesday and Wednesday. And it includes an incredible dinner Tuesday night. And I just can't wait because I think it's one of the best conferences. What I already described it last year because a bunch of people asked me, hey, what was it like? Very technical (laughs) and the attendees were younger. Now, I'm an old dude and compared to that, they were definitely younger, but they were so technical. Uh, One of the guys I was talking to was selling on 16 different channels. The details and the intimacy, because you're so close to the speakers, you get to talk to them, you get to ask and go deeper, and it's just really, really a valuable conference put on by Seller Labs. Yes, they're one of my sponsors of the show, but I bought the ticket, so you know, to be fair, um, it is sold out. They didn't give it to me, but I want to help them because I think it helps you, and so for me, um, to get a chance to see Ezra Firestone speak, I've not seen him speak personally, face-to-face, I'm dying. Brett Bartlett, uh, when you see James Thompson um, from Prosper Show, Peter Kearns, um, they've got this uh, expert coming in who's doing uh, talking about Instagram, and she is talking about Instagram um Influencers and how to use them for your products. I mean this is really really intense stuff. It's it's held in an amazing place This was a new venue in Atlanta, so you're responsible for your own hotel your own flight your own Transportation to the event, but the ticket itself is paid for I paid for it because I'd like to hang out with you So if you're interested in it all you have to do is text resonate to 44222 and it'll ask you for your email. That's the cost and you're going to get subscribed to my newsletter, which I think is a valuable newsletter. But then again, maybe I'm biased. But if you want to come and hang out with me in Atlanta, it's going to be in May. Coming up quick. So I'll probably choose the, uh, the person pretty quickly. So any questions, just send me a note at steven@eCommerceMomentum.com. at ecommercemomentum.com. Stephen at ecommercemomentum.com.
1: Welcome to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson.
0: Welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. This is episode 289, Brian Freifelter. Yes, Brian is back. Now, you've got to go all the way back, way, 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 way back to episode number 13 to hear Brian's story and if you've not heard Brian's story please go listen to that first stop this now go back and listen to it because I want to help you understand the kind of person we're dealing with this is a true um, pull yourself up by the bootstraps hustler Uh, put your head down do the work determined person who is going to win who is taught early to win you know really taught early and really um, has learned how to win, and went through some challenges, and he talks about them. And back then he had that I, I use this phrase; it's my phrase, not his. A scarlet letter, you know, around his neck, um, and you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about when you go listen to that. But my God, what a difference! Two and a half years of putting your head down and doing the work, what it can do for your business. Paying attention to the important things, being willing to invest um, when you probably money was probably tight. We didn't I didn't even get to that, but he took some leaps of. Faith took some advice from some really smart people, took some help, and has really ran with it. And it's just paid off. And he's just such a great guy. And he's so real and so genuine. And it's just so cool to see him so successful, so well deserved. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because uh, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time since we've gotten a chance to talk on air. We've talked socially um, many different times over the years but it's been two and a half years just about brian freifelter welcome brian
1: thank you for having me back stephen
0: number 13 dude hmm. think about that and now I just, you're I think two. I
1: could have been I go think ahead. you asked me to be one of the first ones and I kind of delayed it at the time
0: you did yeah you uh, you you made me chase you a little bit um <laughs> you know for uh, let's go right there immediately you know go back to episode number 13 this is the episode number, and Brian was Brian had a scarlet letter around his neck. Is that that's not an unfair description, right? I mean, two and a half years ago, if your account was suspended, you were looked down upon like, oh my God, he must be terrible business operator. He must have done everything wrong. When quite frankly, you know, in our pre-discussion, we talk about it. So many people I've interviewed have been suspended, and it's generally not because of things they've done wrong. It's because things changed and outside of your control, and your account got swept up in it, right? Is that fair?
1: Yes. So summer of 2015, I think there were some changes at Amazon, uh, some changes with seller performance. And um, in June, you started to hear of some people getting suspended here and there. I got caught up in July, which I got lucky because I was able to get back on relatively quickly. But there were people getting suspended in August of 2015, uh, they were taking like a month, if not longer than that, to get back on. Um, it was a crazy time period for anyone selling
0: on Amazon. You credit uh, Scott Margolis with a lot of help, and I want to you know, applaud Scott. He's a great guy. He's helped a lot of people, but you credit him with really helping you make some adjustments in your business. Can you give us some specifics on things that you've changed um, that – you know, we might all just say, of course you can't do that. But back then, you know, we, we, Brian and I were talking a little on the pre-show. Both of us have been around for—I've been 2011, I started selling FBA. you are got to be darn close to that or before that, right? And yeah, the rule—we we used to buy everything and send it all in. That was it. I mean, we've all heard Chris Green say he used to buy tools and never even bag them. He would just send them in. That's the way it was. And when they scale— they have had to put rules in place to help them manage their growth, right? That's reasonable and fair. Unfortunately, when you have inventory sitting in there and you have processes in place, you've never adjusted them, you just don't keep up with it. You're just feeding the machine, feed the beast, as everybody says. Well, guess what? You know, Those rules didn't apply. Now there's a rule, and that applies. You're magically supposed to follow it. It's like that's not as easy as you think. Fair?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So Scott helped you get – some of the straight and narrow, um, get, get some things back online. Talk about that. will you?
1: Um, one of the first times I ever talked with Scott, uh, he pretty much gave me an idea. He showed me some different reports on Amazon and pretty much said, Hey, you need to be on top of these. Uh, it's important that, you know, if you want to keep your health in good shape that, you know, what's going on with your returns, um, order defect rate. Um, and I mean, he pointed out, uh, at one point, when I was stickered, now I'm I'm commingled right now. I might be going back to stickered at some point, but uh, he pretty much pointed out like how I can add a flyer in there and kind of intercept customers from reaching out to Amazon. Um, he just gave me a lot of different pointers at the time, which really uh, helped. I guess kind of um, I guess clear up you know some some of the business. Um, I have different uh, I have um, things in place now. That kind of, uh, like for instance, when I have a return, I'll reach out to the buyer if it's defective or not as described, and I'll I'll say to them, hey, you know, I'm really sorry for the issue. Uh, I just want to check in with you and see what was wrong with it. And um, by knowing this, it kind of gives me the opportunity to prevent me from selling too many of this item before you know I potentially get a performance notification or get suspended for it.
0: Well, give an example there. So so let me let let's break that down a little bit more. So if you're selling, I don't know. Um, Kool-Aid, a bad example, but it's Kool-Aid, and the customer gets it, and they message you and say, or you you message them and say, hey, you know, what's up with that Kool-Aid? And they come back to you and say, it was hard as a brick, man. There was, you know, whatever, something was wrong with it or whatever. If you have two pallets of that same Kool-Aid sitting there, even if it's in date, you run a risk of every one of those people and then they will shut your account down, right? All you need is four or five of those, and you will get your account shut down, right? So there's an example of food. Now, you don't sell food, but it's just that's, that's a perfect example of being proactive instead of kind of turning your head away and saying, well, I pay Amazon to do the customer service, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, do you pay them to do the customer service? Do you, is that something that you've realized now that that's not really true?
1: Um, when you say, do I pay them to do customer service, uh, are, you're saying, do I pay Amazon?
0: Yeah, I mean, because in some ways, that was one of the big attraction, right? Because the negative with eBay is you get a million customer questions, right? That's what they do. Hey, can you measure that shirt from this to this? Or can you do this and that? What we're used to is the the attraction for Amazon was that they handled the customer service because they were Amazon customers, not your customers. So technically, they handled it right, and so that was nice, right? They, especially when they were not as big as they are, they would handle the customer service. Now, now they get back to you when it comes to you. But, but did you make that mistake?
1: You know, I'll say this: it's hard to put a value on Amazon handling our customer service um, because. I mean, I'm selling on eBay at this point, and I I can't stand getting the five (laughs) to ten messages per day where, yeah, they're asking like, uh, you know, I know this is a size small, but can you measure it for me or can you measure from the one end to the other? Um, So with Amazon, uh, especially with items that I guess, you know, aren't delivered to the right address or didn't make it on time, um, it's definitely nice to not have to deal
0: with that. It is, and you know, I we don't know how many of those we get, but it's got to be voluminous, right? Because think about you as a buyer, you know, you're probably inquiring and wondering, hey, you know, where is this and that kind of thing. So, you know, add that to the number of customers you have, multiply it by that, and you can see how big it is. So, I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, could you imagine the staff that you would have to have? Um, I just saw, one. Of, uh, this is a side note, so we just got hit with a foot of snow in uh, our area. Well, you, you didn't get as much as we did. Brian's over towards Philadelphia. I'm, I'm in the middle of the state. We got about a foot this time. And uh, one of the companies is going to outsource 270 jobs to a call center in Tampa and somewhere else because they had so many snow problems, and their business, because they're a, a nationwide company, so they're going to outsource those jobs because it's affected them. They had so many people call off and shut down because the roads get shut down so much that they're going to outsource those jobs. And so I think about running a customer service operation of that size. And can you imagine what how you know how difficult that must be?
1: Oh uh, yeah, I mean um, you know especially if you're in uh, in the north and uh, you have things preventing you from being able to work, uh, probably doesn't make sense.
0: Well, let's use another example. You and I are in a group with um, Dan Wentworth, and how many times has he gotten feet of snow up in Boston, right? What do they do in their business, right? It just affects their business. Well, imagine if you had to have a customer service team in there handling these questions about shipping and all that kind of jazz. So, again, I'm with you. We don't put enough value on what Amazon does for us. However, that doesn't, where I was going with the comment was it doesn't allow you to walk away with wash your hands of it, I guess. Fair? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, there are situations where um, you know, maybe the person got a pair of shoes or a shirt where there's something wrong with it. Um, you really can't expect Amazon to answer right. those questions. I mean, that, that's really for you to figure out what happened and fix it for the customer.
0: So it's not 100%, and I think that's the mistake where people make, and that's why I was going with it, is I think people just say, oh, I pay Amazon to handle that. Well, no, that's not true. You You pay them to handle the delivery issues and stuff like that but the rest of it really is on you. Um, and you have a process to deal with that. Now you didn't have a process back then. And, um, those, would you credit those changes, these, you know, subtle, but, but real changes with the growth of your business too? Cause there's a cost, but would you say it's the real reason you've had growth?
1: You know, I had a totally different business back then. Um, when you last interviewed me in 2015, um, I was still doing media at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was doing clothing and shoes, which is what I sell primarily now. Um, Back then though, uh, like a few of the items, uh, or at least one of the items in my suspension was for missing parts, was part of the description of what was wrong, and every now and then I would sell a DVD or a video game where the disc wasn't in the case, and um, it just kind of happened here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you sell enough of these items and every now and then a disc isn't in there, Um, so that was mentioned as part of the suspension. Um, at the time, what I wanted to do was try to prevent any issues. I decided to stop selling used items at that, at that point. Um, I kind of felt like I may not have been suspended if it weren't for the used items. Um, so I pretty much just completely took all of my used CDs, DVDs, video games, and moved them over to eBay and said, you know what, I'm just going to do uh, new, new items at this
0: point. And, and you're saying that that's the difference for your business?
1: Um, I, I think it, I think, uh, I eliminated a lot of issues by okay. moving those items out.
0: Now there n- might not be as profitable, but if your account shut down profits mean nothing, right? <laughs> Cause you don't sell anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, uh, the other thing is, um, now that I don't do use media, I mean, I make more money now, um, because it was a very tedious process, uh, getting those items together. um, I haven't, I mean, I didn't scale the way I guess I should have. Uh, I found doing clothing and shoes to be much more scalable. And um, I do grocery and a few other things here and there.
0: So, so that's a good point. So you brought your average selling price up, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like from, so you could sell a CD for $10 or you could sell a pair of shoes at $99. Um, And yes, you might make on that CD, you might make, $6 six dollars net profit right you' that's not unrealistic right Amazon takes their piece and you know you paid a dime for it however on that pair of shoes that you paid you know forty dollars for you know you're gonna make 30 or 40 bucks um, that's a lot of CDs that you have to sell right I can't do that math that's when, when probably I had, five or six when I
1: had stores uh, when I had stores I mean you're talking people would come in and they'd sell us CDs DVDs for like ten cents to a quarter each um, if it was a good title, uh, something with value on Amazon, we'd pay more for it. I mean, we we try to pay fairly. Um, and we get that item in, we'd have to log it into our computer, we'd have to then clean it. So we have, I still have some disc cleaning machines here. Um, we get it cleaned off, we get it refurbished, we get the case changed on it. There'd be too many hands touching this hmm. to make, you know, three, four, five, ten bucks on this stuff. Whereas with the inventory that we buy now, since we do primarily retail arbitrage, I mean, you're talking, you buy it, my guys drop it off, it gets prepped, it gets sent into Amazon, and then you make money on it. Um, Big difference between the two business models are, I need to have a lot more money invested in inventory at this point than I did back then.
0: You, you, You brought up something that's kind of current. A lot of people are under the belief they should have a retail store. I've, I've seen that that in a warehouse, right? Those two things are real popular um, right now in a warehouse, especially with all these new fees coming. But, but you've run a couple of retail stores. Can you talk a little bit about what it takes to run a retail store? because everybody's attracted to it? Well, that'll allow me to get wholesale customers, Brian. If I have a hotel, wholesale or if I have a retail store, now I'm legit, I can get Lego and Lego's going to sell to me, and then I'm going to put it here, but I'm really going to sell it on Amazon. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it takes to run a retail store? especially in the city. I mean, in you, yeah, it's not cheap there, right?
1: Uh, you know what? It was actually cheaper where I was in the city than, um, being, I actually do have a storefront now, um, for something totally different, uh, which, uh, I, you know, we, uh, we're definitely
0: talking about, now, it. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about it. I'm dying
1: to hear about it. that That's another interview. We'll, we'll do that in the future. But, um, uh, I'm not a big fan of stores. Um, at least my model at the time doing used inventory was, you know, I'd buy low, I'd sell for a little more. If it was really valuable, I'd sell it on Amazon. Um, for the people that are trying to, you know, get a shortcut into wholesale and that are trying to, you know, establish accounts. Um, and then, you know, maybe they're planning on buying, um, a a particular brand and maybe they'll sell it in the store, but maybe most of it's really going to go on Amazon. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend that unless they have an agreement with the sales rep or with the company that they can do that. Um, But uh, when it comes to an actual storefront, unless you're in a really good location, unless you have a really good way of getting people in there, um, I mean, typically it's not – I I, I can't speak for others, but I kind of think it's a waste of time compared to just, you know, buying the stuff wholesale, selling it on Amazon or doing retail arb or doing online arbitrage – Um, storefronts are a lot of work you need employees Uh, there are a lot of headaches when it comes to dealing with people Um, so I'm not a huge fan of stores
0: Well, here's what I would say to you Toys R Us had a very good storefront so they thought and now they're going out of business I think about all the storefronts that have closed retail is very difficult it's like creating a website and then saying okay Brian I'm building this website it's going to be unbelievable I'm going to sell I'm going to put Amazon out of business okay go ahead Build the website and you're going to sell shoes. Good, nobody's going to see it. Nobody's coming, right? You have to build traffic. You got to get that audience there. Well, a retail stores no different. You know, think about the investment that Toys R Us or, in my case, Bonton's one of the companies closing here. Um, how much money they invested figuring out that location? They got teams. They have got experts, marketing people that have figured out this is the optimal place for the optimal price to put a store in, and they failed. And so Steve is going to just decide, hey. I see a good place for a store, and I'm going to go put one up, and it's going to be successful magically. I don't think so. You, you
1: really need to have a niche or an angle for doing it. Like in my case, with uh, you know, with my stores, um, it was kind of like a GameStop or Fye or whatever you know, buy, sell, and trade type store. You have half price books. Um, I mean, our angle was we'd buy you know low enough that I'd either resell the stuff for a little bit of a profit in store, or if the price was high enough. Um, I'd resell on Amazon, uh, and I could see like if you're gonna run maybe um, you know a store where you're buying things at a very small percentage of what it's going for, like um, like like uh, a GameStop.
0: Plato's well, GameStop's that way, right? I mean, they don't pay very much for when they are buying games from generally.
1: Um, yeah, they yeah they're they're pretty lousy when it comes to what they pay. Uh, I was gonna bring up uh, Plato's Closet, which okay. um, uh, we have a few in my area, and they pretty much pay. Um, you know what, I forget the number. I want to say they pay 10% of the MSRP and they sell for 30%. Um, that's, a good, that's a good angle to have. Um, you're pretty much, let's say you have someone coming in with a $50 pair of pants, so they're paying $5 for it and selling it for $15. Um, if you're a store that deals with maybe liquidations, um, but if, if you're a store that sells the same you know inventory as like a Walmart or a Target, unless you're like a specialty store, I just don't really see why you'd start something and try to compete.
0: Well, I think you would created yourself a job, and now the job has to be open. Well, look, look we just got shut down for a couple of days with a snowstorm. What happens to all those retailers? I mean, I, my heart bleeds for them because, you know, they no customers. We actually went to get a coffee, and McDonald's was closed. I mean, now imagine that. McDonald's was closed of all places you would never expect them to close well they did well how much money in sales is that and yet their mortgage and their lease and all that equipment still has to get paid for right and uh, that's a that's a those are devastating things that happen Um, and or you want then you have employees let's talk about employees now I know you still have some now but but going backwards when you're running a retail store versus what it takes um, are employees from a warehouse different than they are for retail
1: Um, so all of my employees from the stores actually still work with me,
0: um, in one way or another. That's very cool.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I lucked out. It's basically friends and friends of friends. So, um, but, um, there's, there's not a huge difference. I mean, you know, I have tasks set up for them and they have to follow them. Um, but running a store has different challenges to it, which is dealing with people. Whereas with my current business, they're pretty much just dealing with me. Um, before, uh, you, you had a different dynamic when you had actual people coming into your store and just different situations. I mean, we had situations where, you know, someone would steal from us and they'd have to get me on the phone and say, Hey, look, you know, this person is stealing and what do we do? Do we kick them out? Do we, you know, call the police? Like, what exactly do we do?
0: So that just doesn't happen anymore. So yeah, customers, yeah, that would be a big thing. You know, looking back do you regret those times? I mean, can you build – have they helped you get to where you are, you know, those challenges, getting suspended, running the stores, shutting the stores down, painful as that is? Fortunately, you kept the people, and that, that obviously was intentional on your part. That's a very cool thing for you to do. But do, do you credit that learning, or do you see that as failure?
1: Um, you know, I kind of saw a different light. Uh, actually, from uh, Scanner Monkey in late 2013, I saw a lot of people were having success with retail arbitrage, and um, I just thought, given where we were at the time, that it made more sense to go in a different direction, um, and experiment. And uh, like 2014 was a partial disaster because that was when I went from one store to two at that point, and I lost a lot of money uh, trying to get that second store going. Um, and trying to basically, we, we knew we kind of needed a warehouse space at that point. So we took our first store and tried to turn it into our prep area. Um, so I mean, we were at a certain point and we knew that we needed to expand things and, you know, take things in a different direction. And, uh, you know, when you're feeling your way around sometimes, sometimes you screw up. Um, so 2014 wasn't the best year. Uh, but from there on out, um, once we closed the first store and got into a warehouse and, um, kind of, uh, I gave, you know, my guys different things to do and we kind of, you know, got on the right path at that point.
0: One of the other things that I remember when we were at a scan power conference a couple of years ago, I remember you showing me your numbers and your stats and your reports and these Excel sheets and the way you verified that. I sat there like, honest to God, I'm like, would this guy just attend MIT? Because you were, you were showing me stuff. And I'm an accountant. I've been doing this stuff for a million years. You're showing me stuff that I'm like, oh my God, he knows his numbers better than anybody I've met. You knew every little detail. You had everything documented. What would you, who, who got you on that path? What, what led you there? And would it help others to go there too?
1: I I absolutely love my spreadsheets. Uh, That's something every day. Yeah, I'm I'm at least in Google Sheets. uh, You know, adjusting something in there. Um, You know, who really helped me actually in 2014 was Anna Hill of Accounting. We will go. I
0: love Anna.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, being an accountant, how can you not? Well,
0: Um, we just we were just together in Vegas a couple weeks ago too, and uh, I met her. uh, Her she brought uh, someone on her team, and oh my God, they're meant for each other. She's got that heart of gold.
1: Oh yeah, she's great. She actually does my bookkeeping at this point. Oh, um,
0: I love it. I she, love it. Um,
1: I, I actually approached her in 2014, and I just said, "Hey, look, like I don't know what I'm, I'm, I'm doing things wrong right now." I said I was profitable, and things are definitely in the wrong direction at this point. And um, she just, uh, you know, she said, "Look, you know, let's get, you know, a perfect inventory count of everything in your stores," um, and she really got me, uh, you know. I started to get everything set up in spreadsheets and, um, you know, she said I needed to have a better accounting system in place. Um, so once I started to, you know, get all of my numbers in the right place and seeing what was going on with the business, um, that really set me in the right, on the right path.
0: So she's really become a part of your team.
1: Uh, yeah. I I mean, um, you know, with her, we'll get on Skype sometimes and just kind of, you know, talk about the numbers. Um, so it, it's been very helpful having someone there that, you know, can, that understands the business and, uh, can point out, you know, what I should be doing to improve things.
0: Yeah. And she's a seller. And so the fact that she's a seller, makes her understand e-commerce. Cause that's one of the biggest challenges. When you talk to people who are not sellers, they have no clue. They think retail. And I'm like, no, it's not quite retail. Cause there's other things, right? Um, you're sort of manufacturing in a weird way in an odd way. And they're looking at you like what? And then, um, you have all these moving pieces. Um, her service is only a couple hundred dollars a month. Most people would say, well, Brian, you know, how can you afford it? Could you look back? I mean, would you be a successful, you know, I'm trying to pull out the keys to your success. And I know there's a hundred reasons that you're successful, not just one, but would you give credit for uh, putting the money out there and bringing somebody into your team like that for a a big part of your success?
1: Um, To be honest, when Anna first helped me out, she wasn't doing my bookkeeping yet. Uh, she was just nice enough to really get online awesome. and, and, and talk and say, "Hey, look, you know, this is what you need to do." Um, but uh, I mean, having her as a bookkeeper now has definitely been uh, very helpful as well. Um, because I mean, you know, back in my eBay days and my earlier Amazon days, I did not have a good accounting system in place. Um, so I think that's a very important part of being in business is having a good
0: system. So would you do it different? Would you, you know, knowing what you know today, right from day one, would you put the strong accounting system in place?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going to be in business, you have to.
0: Okay. All right. I hope people hear that. Right. So invest. I mean, it's not a cost of doing business. It's, you know, quite frankly, you're getting that much talent for a couple hundred dollars a month. That's a deal right? I mean, you know, especially because she's experienced, right? I mean, think about that, right? You know, to bring an experienced, you know, um, if you were bringing in a, um, not a coach, what's the right term I want to use? A, uh, consultant. A, a consultant, right? How much would they charge, right? And here she's consulting you every single month for a small fee. Um, to me, it's it's a w- very worthwhile. We're giving a, a lot of accolades, Scott Margolis and Anna Hill, you know, but they deserve it. You know, and I, I agree with you with that, She's She took the Gary Vee approach, help everybody, and then she earns the right to ask someday, right? Uh, and more than likely, you probably approached her, hey, would you help me?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, love it. Okay, so, so we're going to credit that with getting your business really going. Changing your uh, inventory mix, which I think is a very strong, get away from the things that are real uh, – touchy and sketchy, right? I mean, so you, is that now your notion if there's a chance that there's a, if you get an inkling that that could be a sketchy item or sketchy line, you just completely run the other way?
1: Uh, for the most part, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm selling obviously some of the riskiest items you could be selling when it comes to retail ARB since I'm doing mostly off price stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, for people that don't know, um, I've, Get most of my inventory from Marshalls, TJ Maxx, Ross, Burlington Coat Factory, and these stores—they don't actually put the UPC of the item you're buying on the receipt. So uh, you're dealing with a store code or a store ID number. Um, so it's uh, a little bit dicier than you know most stores out there.
0: And but you can mitigate the risk by doing certain things, and that's part of your because you have a group that you guys help. Um, people source at those places, and we and I'm going to let you pitch it, but you can mitigate some of that by techniques, right? There are some things you can do by, you know, with receipts and, and photos and stuff like that, right? There are ways to mitigate somewhat.
1: Yeah. So in late 2015, uh, I had started taking pictures. So what we do is we take a picture of the actual item that we bought, and then we take a picture. Uh, well, the picture has the UPC, on it and then it also has and it has
0: Marshall's UPC whatever they're showing yeah it
1: has Marshall's um Marshall's store ID and then the actual UPC of the item um and that way you can backtrack your item um there are other ways to backtrack I, I tell everyone that you should put the date that you bought the item in the school so for instance if you bought that item on March 22nd 2018 um and you bought it from Marshall's I would put 2018 03 22 Mars and then I'll put a sequential number in there and then I'll put the price in there um By doing that, uh, you at the very least can backtrack to the date that you bought the item, and if you've taken pictures, um, you can also get the store ID that way and find your way back to your receipt that way.
0: (laughs) That is extra work um, that old Brian wouldn't have done. Fair? Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, um, in 2015, I I wasn't doing anything like that,
0: Um, so yeah. Is it, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Is it because... You know, I I go back to the days where we would just buy everything and send everything in. You know, you just got anything you got, you just send it in. It didn't really matter at that point. And so you built that mode. Just keep feeding the beast at all costs. Just more inventory, Brian, right? Just faster, faster, faster. Um... And so you take shortcuts. And they weren't shortcuts at the time, so I don't want to sound like this is wrong. They just weren't necessary at the time. Now they're necessary. And so to go back and add them into your processes when you've been in that other mode is very, very difficult. And I think that's why a lot of people get stuck and don't make it past this point. But Brian's here to say that if you do pull back, right, because you injected a lot of hours into your business in non-value-added work, taking pictures of receipts and doing all that crap and putting those extra SKUs in and getting more stronger books and all that stuff, you don't see a return, like, you know, you don't see a dollar return immediately on that. These are long-term investments into really growing a real business. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I'd call it security, at least um, when it comes to taking pictures. Uh, it's it's kind of like insurance. That um, you never want to use. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you don't want to, you want to keep your costs to a minimum, um, and obviously your labor goes up when you have people taking pictures. But at the same time, um, I, I don't think anyone would disagree that you know it, it's basically insurance and it's something that you want to do if you're going to source these stores.
0: So so go ahead and pitch your course. So you guys have – not a course. You have a group um, that will help people source at those stores, right? You still have that group?
1: Yeah. Uh, so
0: I You and think, Elizabeth, correct?
1: Um, I think last time I was on the podcast – I don't know if we had uh, had those groups yet. Um, no, I'm not sure. Elizabeth Thompson and I, uh, we were a part of a group called Deals Done Right. It was one of Chris Green's uh, bolo groups back then. Um, that actually closed in 2015, and Elizabeth and I had some demand from people that were in it, and uh, they were asking if you know there was going to be another group similar to it. So Elizabeth and I, who were doing off-price stores back then, we decided to start a Marshalls TJ Maxx group and a Ross Burlington Coat Factory group. Um. So, yeah, we've uh, we've been, you know, lucky enough that it's been um, over two and a half years now. Wow. And, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that
0: says something. If you've been able to keep a group going for two and a half years, do you still have customers that were some of your initial customers?
1: Yeah, we still have a handful of people from— So that says uh, something.
0: I mean, nobody's sticking around. They're not going to give you the hard-earned money unless you brought them results and consistency. So what's the name of the group, Brian?
1: Uh, This is R.A. Sourcing Secrets uh, for Retail Arbitrage, R.A. Sourcing Secrets, uh, T.J. Maxx Marshalls, and then we have the Ross Burlington Group. I'll actually get you that link. So okay. you can, uh, I guess, put it on the webpage. So yeah. thanks for letting me pitch, actually. Yeah,
0: no, I'd let you pitch it because, again, I look for people. I always tell people that there are so many ways and there's so many groups. There's so many. Everybody's like, oh, who's the best RA? Who's the best wholesale? Who's the best? Hey, look, they're the best for me. That might not mean they're the best for you. Or that might mean they're better for you than they are for me. you really got to connect with people. And once you find somebody that you can connect with – um, that, that you really, you know, you feel kindred spirits, I like to use that phrase. Um, that's what you do, you know, because I, I think, you know, you know, think about it, you, you and I all know successful RA, wholesale, private label, merch, uh, name something else, mattress, uh, real estate, they're all, we, we know people that are successful in all those things, Right. What makes them, does that mean that you're going to be Brian? Maybe not, you know, maybe that's not your lane, right? And so you've got to figure out who you connect with and, and then, you know, learn from them. It's kind of like church shopping, Yeah, you know, when you go to a new community. Figure out how you fit in with the congregation, you know, and so that's why I like people to pitch their stuff, and, and if they connect with you, that's awesome, Um and I don't benefit in any way other than you having success. Um, You is the person who's using their services. To me, that's awesome. And I love to be part of that. So all right. Very cool. I
1: think a lot of my success over the past couple years has been from having these groups also,
0: Ah. because,
1: um, it forces you to be better than what you were before that. Um, Oh, that's
0: powerful right there. What you're saying, that's powerful. So it, it forces you to have a sharpness about you. Tell me, tell me a little more.
1: So for instance, well, when we started we had, you know, uh we had around 50 members and you know, members will ask questions to say how do I do this? How do we do that? And it forces us, uh, Elizabeth and I, to pretty much come up with different processes and um it made us reflect on our business differently. Uh things that maybe yeah. we hadn't thought of before. Um it forced us to actually come up and, you know, address what people were asking about um and uh so we have Perry Coughlin and Kim Coughlin who are oh, amazing. Our, um, amazing. yeah, I mean at the time, they were asking some, you know, some very sophisticated questions, and it, it forced me to be a better person. Um, and we eventually added them on, like I said, as as admins. Uh But if you have the right people in your group, um, they're going to bring you to the next level. So that we like to think that our group has, uh, we have a good group of people that will, you know, help you transcend to the next level. Love it.
0: Dude, and, and what, I, what I also think happens is you're starting somebody out who's pretty sharp at a pretty high level. They're going to challenge. They're going to find better ways. They're going to make everybody. My bet is a lot of people contribute to that group, right? Even the people that are paying for the services contribute and say, hey, I figured out a different way. And you're all like, whoa, very cool, right? And so um, Andy always says that iron sharpens iron, Steve. Iron sharpens iron.
1: Totally agree, yeah. And, and I mean, uh, it's I mean, it's rewarding seeing people come into that. Maybe they weren't doing, you know, much uh, retail arb or weren't doing much off price. And uh, before you know it, they start posting their numbers after a few months or after a year. And you're just like, wow, like that's, you know, incredible that, you know, this person was able to come in here and get to that level in such
0: a short period of time. Well, that, that brings up a thought. I, I'm I'm thinking about this as we, cause we were talking earlier about your experience in retail, right? You're one of the few that have had a lot of experience in retail running the good and the bad, right? So you saw, I mean, you were responsible, so you weren't only a store manager, you owned it. So you had to deal with all that. What led you to get into the mattress business? Um, and do you think your experience of being a retailer has given you an advantage?
1: Um, so when it comes to the mattress thing, so I'm, I guess, uh, as a disclaimer to everyone, I just got into it recently, so I can't really get too into it
0: or, you know, how yeah, you don't have to, I am just um, interested in why, I mean, I, I get it that you're trying to diversify and you're trying, all right, I'm assuming I'm putting words in your mouth, but I assume you're trying to diversify and not have all your eggs in one basket, right? That's rational. You're right
1: about that. And early 2017, I started noticing a few different Amazon sellers here and there talking about how they're selling mattresses now. And it sounded intriguing to me. Um, And uh, I finally had a talk with someone that they gave me an idea of how much they had invested in inventory and what kind of sales or what kind of profit they can make. And I said, wow, this this is uh, pretty impressive when it comes down to um, I have a lot more money invested in Amazon. And Mm. given – I figured – given how much they had invested and how much they were making, I said, man, like – This is a very good way of hedging my bet. So if Amazon, if I were to get banned one day, which you know I would hope that wouldn't happen, I think a lot of people would be affected if uh, Amazon suddenly changed the rules one day. But um, you know, 2016 was kind of uh, late. 2016 was kind of uh, you know scary year because we started hearing rumors that um, you know retail receipts weren't going to be accepted anymore when you got different performance notifications. Uh, It sounded like Amazon was trying to you know, weed out the R.A. crowd. Um, So I always kind of had it in the back of my head, like, hey, this could end at some point. So I figured it made sense to diversify and look into it. Um, So like I said, I'm still early on. I'm still I'm just feeling my way around right now. Um, I I do see some uh, I definitely see some potential. So we'll leave it at that. Do
0: you think Well, where I was going to go, and I wasn't going to get into that model, um, because quite frankly, a lot of it you can't talk about, and I'm okay with that. I'm just intrigued. Do you feel like your experience of being a retailer, did that give you an advantage? Do you feel like, did it take away the fear because you kind of knew what it's like to deal with customers? I mean, those are the kind of things that I was going for.
1: I think so. Um, Having a retail store and actually paying a monthly rent and utilities and then dealing with people. Um, I knew this was going to be a similar situation. Uh, so I was in Philadelphia when I had my stores before. I'm in the suburbs now. I'm in Bucks County. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of knew it's probably a little bit of a different class. Um, I'm selling a higher end item. I'm not so much dealing with, uh, I mean, before with a buy, sell, and trade, I mean, I was dealing with a lot of people that were, um, you know, just trying to sell whatever they could to, you know, get some quick money. Uh, so I'm not really dealing with that crowd anymore.
0: And so this, uh, but it, there are similarities. Okay. Well, I mean, would that dissuade some? Should somebody be dissuaded from doing that and going that direction if they don't have that experience, probably?
1: Um, you know, the tough thing is you have to be halfway decent at sales if you do have a storefront. You need to be able to persuade people to buy things. Um, so besides being able to actually, you know, run the store, know your numbers, um, you do have an extra skill set that you need in, included on top of it, or at least you need someone hired that, you know, has that skill set.
0: Yeah, and if you have someone who's hired, now you're giving up control, and then you, you also then give up potential profits. So that minimizes the potential. But all in all, have you been pleased with the results so far?
1: Um, like I said, I just started, so I can't okay. really say yet. But right. uh, I'll, I'll let you
0: know in a future interview. Directionally, you feel like you're going the right way. How about that? Give me that.
1: Yeah, yeah I'll, okay. I'll say this. Um, you really can't compete with Amazon. Uh, Amazon is like the best opportunity out there right now. Um, but with Amazon, you have to have a lot of money invested to really
0: see results. Okay. And, and so what you're saying is the investment you make there versus the result you're seeing is, is different, but yet you're seeing um, something. So, all right, very cool. Again, I think it's so smart that you are divesting. And, you know, does it, do you feel like it keeps you interested? I mean, because it's got to be pretty cool. I mean, it's just got to be new. It's exciting, shiny. It's got to be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting, uh, you know, learning, um, you know, learning a totally new skill. It's 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 a new challenge, um, so we'll see where it goes.
0: Well, how do you feel? I mean, how do you manage? Uh, you have a new baby. How do you manage um, that? Adding another business to an already complicated business life. How do you, how do you manage that? Uh, and is it maybe is that the reason that you chose this kind of business? Is because it allows you some of that.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I don't think my wife is exactly thrilled with uh, (laughs) all the time I'm spending right now. Okay. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, the good thing with Amazon is I don't necessarily need to be working all the time. Um, Like it's possible for me to take 12 to 24 hours off, if not more than that, sometimes with Amazon, other than if I could stay on top of my messages. um, Most of my business is somewhat on autopilot in that I have people that shop, I have people that do the prep and, and the shipping, um, so I can step away at times. Um, the mattress thing, I mean, yeah, I kind of bought myself a job, and I, I do have to point out that uh, uh, one of my best friends is basically running it with me. Um, he's one of my shoppers also, so we're just kind of trying to make that business work and you know have a hedge in case Amazon weren't to work out.
0: Well, I still think it's smart. I just think, because uh, I've seen some other people doing real estate and different things, I just think it's smart that you have something else. And again, if it can keep you interested, and if you build that lifestyle, right, your wife's going to force you to build that lifestyle business no matter what, right? So to me, that's not an unhealthy thing. Because if, if you're forced to make this work around your schedule, and that means you have to adjust your schedule to keep the quality of life, that's a healthier life. Looking back, right, looking way back, which is more stressful, the business you have today or running your retail stores in the buy-sell trade?
1: Um, the buy-sell trade was a different kind of stress. Uh, I mean, we didn't make as much money back then. So, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more pleased with where we are now. Um, mm-hmm. There's a stress, though, with Amazon that I, I think the reason that I do, I'm liking the mattress business so far is you don't have – you don't have Amazon on top of you with the mattresses. You uh, one of the selling points, you know, from my friend that, you know, pointed this out to me, he said he doesn't have to worry about being suspended or getting banned. Um, it's his own business. With Amazon, like I said, you know, I have a lot of money invested. And if I if I get shut down one day, that's a lot of inventory to have to have sent back. So I don't sleep perfect at night, you know, knowing that Amazon at one point could change. And it's like you said, Sometimes the rules one day— Well, they're going to change, Brian.
0: They're going to change. I mean, you know, and to be fair, you know, there's four warehouses in my town of Amazons. They're full. I mean, so they're going to change. Hence the reason they're raising prices so much, because they have no choice, right? They have to figure this out. And the only way that seems to be working is to penalize those of us who keep sending stuff in, right? And what did I read? There were 300,000 new sellers added last year. I think I read that somewhere. And it's like, whoa, that's a lot of new sellers. Yeah, we'll
1: see how many of them make
0: it. Yeah, you know, and I think that, you know, everybody it's easy to get started. It's not easy to continue. And here's Brian here to tell you that, you know, unteen years later and going through a suspension, his business is that much stronger. I love the fact that you've 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 identified a bunch of different points that you've tweaked. I don't want to say you fixed, you adjusted, because I don't think they were broken. They weren't broken at the time. They just weren't complete. Or they changed the rules and they changed the method and you adapted and hence your business is doing well. Are you going to have your best year yet?
1: Um, we'll see. Uh, I mean, uh, 2017 was my best year. Um, <laughs> 2018, I mean, I don't really plan to make many changes. Uh, at the same time, um, some people look to, you know, double their business each year or, you know, really add so much, uh, in sales. um, 2017, I really wasn't that focused on growing that much. I'm kind of, uh, you know, slow and steady wins the race. I'd rather have a little bit of money in the bank and not have to worry about, you know, Amazon loans and credit cards and all that. Um, and I plan to do the same thing in 2018, uh, because I'm, I'm comfortable where things are at. Um, we're all making some money around here. Uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, have all this money invested and have something change one day and regret. Um, you know that I don't have money to pivot so so I try to have you know some money in the bank and uh, not have you know too much invested that I can't survive if things change
0: so it's basically steady as it goes keep your head down doing the work that's really the focus this year
1: yeah and I don't blame anyone that you know takes out loans or invest money like I, I like the Coughlin's for instance um, they're gonna blow past me soon and I mean when they first started in the groups or at least uh, I know 2016. Um, I know I was doing, you know, I was doing better in 2017. I, I think I might have edged them out. Um, they're going to blow past me in 2018, and I give them credit for that. I mean, um, if if they're willing to take that risk, uh, th- you know, they deserve to make the money.
0: Yeah, yeah. But here's the other thing to remember: there's two of them. There's one of Brian, and you know, uh, don't downplay. She's as good as he is, and he is really good. Um, you know, I mean, right. Is that fair? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I you, mean he's really good, good and she's as good as he is. And so, you know, you don't want to downplay that. I mean, I, there is something to be said for that. I mean, there is when when there are two people working, it's not one plus one equals two. It's three or four. And especially to somebody like her. she's unbelievable. So she's probably five or six. So they're
1: they're um, both incredibly talented.
0: Yeah. Very talented, and you could tell by the questions they ask and just the, mm-hmm. the, the genuine realness. Um, it's very inspiring. I mean, it really is inspiring. Yeah, so
1: they're just great people in general.
0: So I want to close. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about people who are coming in this business or looking at their business. Maybe they didn't have the best year, 2017. It wasn't their year. Maybe they came off a of suspension. Maybe they're looking down at one, right? What What's your advice for people? Because you've been there. You've come back. That was years ago. You're now stronger. You just said last year was your best year ever. Um, And yet you put all these controls in place, all these extra steps, all this extra cost, and you still had your best year yet. Um, And now you're controlling it. That's what I heard with 2018. You're controlling your growth. You're not looking for growth at all costs. You're saying, eh, I want to slow and steady. I want to keep things going. Um, What's your advice for people that are staring down these other things? What, what, What can we do to get them on this path?
1: I think they have to have an idea of the budget in place that you know how much they can spend each month how much they want to spend how much debt they're willing to take on um because you know I ran things on credit cards at one point um you have to know what your comfort levels are um some people don't mind taking out that you know 100000 or $500,000 loan um whereas me on the other hand I didn't really feel comfortable you know taking out I had a I think I had a a $60,000 Amazon loan for a very short period of time, and I paid it off right away because I said, you know what, I don't really want to have this debt. Um, But knowing your numbers, uh, you have to have an idea of what kind of profit you have coming in, and you have to have an idea of what kind of profit you're striving for. Um, For me personally, like I said, I was satisfied with the profit that I had coming in, at least in 2017 and, and now in 2018. So... If you want to make a lot more money, you might have to borrow money to get there. Um, if you're happy with where things are, you know, you might not necessarily need to push yourself as hard and buy so much.
0: Yeah, but I heard you say two things that really struck me. Build a plan, which is that budget, and then measure yourself against that plan. That's really important. And so you would say Anna helps you do that, right? She's the one who produces your financial statements? Yeah, yeah. And so by building that plan and then measuring yourself against it, to me, that's powerful stuff because, you know, then you can be disappointed with the results. Well, then you should have built a better budget, right? You you've got to put growth plans in what's it going to take to get from this level? You know, you start achieving your budget. then means what you're doing is working. Now you want to grow. Okay. What steps are you going to take? But you can't know it until you know where your goals are going. So very powerful. Dude, if somebody has a follow-up question, best way to get in touch with you?
1: Uh, Facebook, Facebook Messenger
0: specifically. Okay. Facebook Messenger, you're going to send me the link for the RA Sourcing Secrets if you're interested. There's two different groups. One is specific to uh, Marshalls and TJ. You said, correct. And then the other one is specific to Ross and Burlington. Um, so, and a uh, lot of a uh, lot of lot of inventory in those stores. So okay, dude, I, I really appreciate. It. I'm really uh, I'm so encouraged um, to see where you've come from you know, and if you want to go back, you got to go back and listen to episode number 13. If you've not heard Brian's story, selling CDs out of peach crates at 15 years old, real true hustling in the streets of Philadelphia, and to now running this multi million dollar business. It's very, uh, it's a very encouraging story, Brian, but it's so encouraging to me that I can hear it in your voice, how much less pressure, because you know what you're doing, you have confidence in what you're doing, and you can replicate it. I love it. Very, very powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you. How exciting is that? I mean, phenomenal. He is just killing it and he's killing it in in such a good way because it's just, again, I, I, you know, I'm I'm a little gushy on it because it's just so neat to see somebody so cool do so well and it's so well deserved. The good people do win, right? Not always lose. And uh, here's a good example, but there's some pro tips in there. Remember, you know, he gave some real advice. He invested where most of us don't want to invest, right? Do you have a bookkeeper doing your books, right? Are you getting monthly financial statements? Did you, um, Are you taking the extra steps to uh, kind of that insurance policy on your account? Where are the areas that you're at risk? How do you mitigate those? That's really why you, where you want to reach out to. And he mentioned Scott Magolius. Reach out to him if you are in those areas and you want to mitigate your risk. I mean, he charges, but guess what? Brian would tell you it's money well spent Anna hill very inexpensive bookkeeper, Um, and I just met somebody on her team in Vegas, unbelievable pair. I mean, just an unbelievable pair who really can help coach you in ways because she's a seller. Again, she understands that, and so, you know, uh, if you're interested in the RA Sourcing Secrets, reach out to um, those guys. Uh, I have the link on the episode, Um, and that's a great group if that's something you're interested in and try it and and see if you fit. Um, I think it's a really great tool. ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care.
1: Thanks for listening to the ecommerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.